Well, good afternoon. Uh, we are uh, practicing the synonyms with. Um, uh, we're gonna review what we have been uh, listening lately. During these days, uh, we've been talking about um, true crime podcasts. Case 126, we are trying to tackle unsolved crimes, crossroads, in the back seat there is a double life and this man that committed the crime used to have a normal facade but he was a serial killer, we have a circle word here is a fantasy, it's a product of a fantasy. Now it's a ghost, specter, mental representation of someone that is not uh, among us anymore. It's fanciful, it's fantasy. What about respite? It is also a noun, means a delay, rest, relief, time to deliberate. Respite comes from respectus, respectare, regard, regard, turn around to look at. It is a welcome break as well. Lacadaisical, lacadaisical, adjective. It's um, sorrow, disappointment. Lacking life spirit, that is what lack a tricycle means, like a tricycle. Undulate, it is a bird, meaning move in waves, fluctuate, inundate. Coming from Latin, of course, unda, surround, around. Pedagogical, adjective, teacher, education, related to comes from the Greek pedagogo, teacher. Silent letters like right, wrist, wrong, no, knee, knife, thumb, climb, lamb. What about airy, A-E-R-E-I, noun, this nest of a bird also an elevated structure paradise lost Milton area comes from Latin again meaning field burst nest high-rise city apartments they're also called Aries another one coruscate meaning reflect light sparkle brilliant Showy in style, coming from Latin coruscare to flash, sparkle, glittering. And that is all by now. Thank you very much. See you on next part of the podcast. I love you. Yeah.
Okay, now let's try some uh, test here on the uh, internet. We have uh, in the AVIX verbal ability synonym section one. Choose the word which best expresses the meaning of the given word. Corpulent. We have lean, which is the opposite. Lean and mean. Gaunt. Don't know. Emaciated. Obese. So I would say obese. Option D. That's correct. Brief. Meaning uh, little. Limited, small, short. Please write a brief summary, meaning a small, a little, a short summary. You answer. Option D. Okay. Embezzle. Embezzle, misappropriate, balance, remunerate, clear. Uh, what can we say about this? Embezzle misappropriate. Option A. Part of a speech, it is a verb. Definition, steal money, often from an employer. Synonyms, abstract, defalcate, forge, loot, misapply, misappropriate, double P, misappropriate. Misuse, pilfer, put a hand in a cookie jar, a scheme, thief. We have a set here, remunerate meaning salary. Embezzle is to deceive someone and to use the power vested in you in a wrong way. Okay. Then Options, opening, stodge, end, past tense of go. I would say event is an opening. Option A, but I don't know the reason why. So let's look at the explanation. Vent opening, explanation. Vent means a small hole. An outlet, an opening permitting the escape of liquid, etc. Another one says, how come vent means opening? To vent out means to release. Opening for the release of air or gas, aperture. Opening in an animal's body for the discharge of waste. Well, that's right, it's an opening. August. August meaning dignified. Option C. The other options were common, ridiculous, petty. Cagni, double N. I would say uh, obstinate. Option C, clever. Uh, let's take a look at the explanation. Cagni, clever. It is not obstinate, handsome, or stout. So it is attractive nature, pleasant. The word canny suggests cunning. 
a cunning person is clever intelligent and showing good judgment especially in business or politics having or showing shrewdness and good judgment especially in money or business matters so this is a very good one uh, we'll uh, come back later and we'll keep on learning synonyms and words and that is what it's all about thank you very much I repeat it I love you thank you allá synonyms etymology synonyms test number three uh, abstinence restraint the options are synchronic torrential gluttony and the hint says if you abstain from something you deliberately do not do it abstinence however is a particular kind of abstaining that from alcoholic drink, sex, etc., often for health or religious reasons. If you abstain from drinking, you do not get drunk. Abstinence does not refer to drink only, so that's correct. Restraint. Let's take a look at this word restraint. Action of restraining, means of restraint, from Old French restrainte. And if we look at this word in the Cambridge Dictionary, restrain, restrain. To control the actions or behavior of someone by force, especially in, or in order to stop them from doing something or to limit the growth or force of something. Limiting and restricting. Infringe, curtailment, curb, clamp down on something, a boundary hamstring okay next question erudite meaning academic and the options are execute expanse settle hint an erudite person is scholarly he or she is full of learning now where does a learned person get his or her learning from from the world of education or books. In other words, the person has an academic orientation. Next question, taciturnity, meaning reserve, hint. A taciturn, taciturn person is not damp. A damp person can't speak. A taciturn person can speak but does not want to. In other words, he maintains a reserve. So the, the answer is correct. And let's take a look at the etymology of 
私トゥーニティタティトゥーニタテン Being or keeping silent タティトゥーニディスポーストトゥビサイレント Next question animate meaning energize The other options are the opposite Kill, dead, calm Hint As an adjective, animate simply means having life For example, plants and animals are animate objects Is thus rejected because boisterous means lively, cheerful Now, as a verb, if you animate something, you make it lively or more cheerful. Thus, you put energy into it. In other words, you energize it. Boisterous is a synonym of the adjective animated. Let's take a look at uh, the etymology of boisterous. Adjective, rough, coarse. Clumsy, violent. Um, turbulent. Applied to a person. Turbulent. Clamorous. Um, abounding in rough but good natured activity bordering upon excess. Boisterousness. Let's take a look at this boisterous. in the uh, Cambridge Dictionary. Boisterous. Boisterous, noisy, energetic and rough. Def- deafening, thunderous, tumultuously, booming, resonant, explosive, uproariously, uproariously. Okay, next question. Niggardly. Penurious, generous, liberal, nimbus. Hint. If someone is niggardly, he shows lack of generosity. The generous would be its antonym. But we are looking for a synonym. None of the words is a fit synonym. In such cases, we go for the word closest in meaning. Both penurious, very poor, and niggardly imply a lack of money, though in different senses. So we take penurious. And let's take a look at niggardly. Etymology. Sortedly parsimonious, stingy. And we have a paragraph here telling the origin of this word. It was while giving a speech in Washington to a very international audience about the British theft of the Elgin marbles from the Parthenon. I described the attitude of the current British authorities as niggardly. Nobody said anything but I privately resolved, having felt the word hanging in the air a bit, to say parsimonious from then on. Christopher Hitchens the pernicious effects of banning words. 
Okay, this is a very good knowledge, but uh, let's take a, a look at the Cambridge Dictionary. Negative. Uh, a slight in amount, quality or effort. Negatively. Negatively. Minimal. Narrow. Small. Thinness. Slenderness. Below. To count something on the fingers of one hand. This is an idiom. Okay, next question. Uh, bleat. Hint. We have the words joyless, grudging, somnolent, cheerful. One who is bleat is carefree and cheerful. So let's take a look at bleat. Etymology. Blitte. Joyous, kind, cheerful, pleasant. Uh, no cognates outside Germanic. The earlier application was to the outward expression of kindly feelings, sympathy, affection to others. The word had come more usually to be applied to the external manifestation of one's own pleased or happy frame of mind, and hence even to the state itself. So that's correct. Cheerful. Next question. Captivate. Fascinate. The other options, repel, subjugate, dangerous, hint, you are captivated by something attractive, it fascinates you. So we can say captivate, the origin is Latin, captivate. To enthrall with charm, overpower and hold by excellence or beauty. Captivatus. Past participle of captivare, to take capture. From captivus, caught, taken prisoner. From captus, capere, to take hold, seize. Literal sense, seize by force. Next question. Redeem. Reconsider, fulfill, extend, recover. Hint. I have lost my reputation and nothing can redeem it. That is, much though I may try, no good action on my part can bring my lost reputation back. In other words, I cannot recover my reputation. Redeem, answer, recover. So let's take a look at the etymology of redeem. To fix it deeply. Early 15th century, buy back ransom. Also in a theological sense, deliver from sin and spiritual death. From Latin redimere, to redeem, buy back. Take, buy, gain, procure. 
Middle English Latin redimere sometimes was translated as again by, meaning make amends for, is from 1520s. Sense of make good, a promise, obligation. Next question. Blunt, meaning tasteless, unpleasant, irritating, affable. That which is bland is rather dull and unexciting. Dor Tarshan is infamous for its bland presentations of sports events. Similarly, fruit can be bland, that is, it has very little flavor. In other words, it is tasteless. What about the origin of this word? Bland. Mild, smooth, free from irritating qualities, not stimulating. From Italian blando, delicate. Old French bland, flattering, complimentary. Both from the Latin blandos. Smooth talking, flattering, alluring. Okay, related entries and more. Blandiloquence. Flattery in a speech, blandiloquentia, Latin, blandiloquence, speaking flatteringly. Bland plus loquence, from loqui to speak. <laughs> This is the deepest um, knowledge, It comes from the knowing the origin of the words. In this case, we didn't expect. English to be so much influenced by Latin, but it was in the middle century. Next question, visionary, you can say that is a dreamy, savant, philosopher, saint. A visionary is one who has a vision for the future. He comes up with strong original ideas. He can foresee the changes to come and shapes the future, bringing about an improvement. All visionary ideas are dreams at one stage, but all dreams do not mature. Most of them remain pipe dreams. Only those few that are backed up by the necessary practical considerations turn into visionary ideas. So, it's dreaming. That is correct. Visionary comes from Latin as well. Videri. Able to see visions. Meaning one who indulges in impractical fantasies. From 1650s, perceived in a vision. Relied entries. Vision. Something seen in the imagination or in the supernatural. From Anglo-French, vision. Old French vision, presence, sight, view, look, appearance, dream, supernatural sight. Latin, visione, act of seeing. Noun of action from past participle stem of videre, to see. Okay, that was Latin. 
where else could it have come from? Revoke, repeal, impute, force, repudiate, hint. When a law is revoked, it stands cancelled. We can also say that the law has been repealed. That is uh, good enough, 15 minutes uh, learning new words, its origins. Okay, start with the reading part of the examination, use of English. Seven parts and 53 questions. Exam essentials, reading, use of English. You're going to read a magazine article. Six paragraphs have been removed from the article. Choose from the paragraphs A to G the one which fits each gap, 41 to 46. This is part seven. There is one extra paragraph which you do not need to use. Mark your answers on the separate answer sheet. Remember, in this part of the exam, you need to understand the structure and organization of a text how its paragraphs work together. First, look at the instructions and the title of the text. Then, skim the gapped test for the general meaning and notice how it develops ideas, opinions, events. You may need to consider more than one gap at a time in order to work out which paragraph goes where. Do not rely simply on recognizing repeated names, dates, etc. So the title is Mind Your Languages. Thousands of the world's languages are dying, taking to the grave not just words but records of civilizations and cultures that we may never fully know or understand. Linguists have calculated that of the 6,000 languages currently spoken worldwide, most will disappear over the next 100 years. As many as 1,000 languages have died in the past 400 years. Conversely, the handful of major international languages are forging ahead. Look at this contrast. As many as 1,000 languages have died in the past 400 years, Conversely, the handful of major international languages are forging ahead. Next paragraph. But the, but the vast majority of the world never had need of phrases in Heitsuk, the native Indian language from British Columbia in Canada, which now is dead. Now we have a tip. 41. In the paragraph after the gap, the word but shows that a contrast is being described. It is likely that the contrast is between the extinct or threatened languages referred to and the major international languages mentioned in the paragraph before the gap. non-linguistics, while particular stories like this can be fascinating, it must seem odd to get worked up about the broader issue. Why waste so much time saving languages spoken by so few, 
Why look back instead of forward? This is one of the things we're in linguistics and working in Fiji in the South Pacific. There are hundreds of known remedies in Fiji's forests. The Waba leaf relieves diarrhea. The Udi tree eases sore throats. And hibiscus leaf tea is used by expectant mothers. There are possibly several more yet to be discovered. Part 7 Periodically, linguistics and other interested parties meet to discuss their work. One such conference held in Nepal focused on the issue of how to have some Himalayan languages spoken by just a handful of people. A great number of languages in the greater Himalayan region are endangered or have already reached the point of no return. The trouble is, such materials often do not exist. Kotland knows the language is disappearing when the younger generation does not use it anymore, when the language is spoken by fewer than 40 people. So this is uh, how the examination works. It is the mechanical part. But if we take a look at uh, the other uh, exercise, have some uh, gaps to fill. I haven't got enough money to buy that dress. I don't mind lending you the car for the weekend. Watch out, you will break your glass. She told her to sing louder. This girl is healthier than her sister. I like this picture a lot. You mustn't park here unless you are a member of the college. She ought not to have behaved like that before your parents. She ought not to have behaved and not she ought not have behaved. So take a close look at the difference. She ought not to have. That's the difference. Not to have. My mother hasn't got enough money to buy that coat. My mother hasn't enough money is not correct. The correct expression is my money hasn't my mother hasn't got enough money. She's fed up of hearing her complaining all the time. The bakery is going to be destroyed. So another part of um, Reading news on English, part six. Essential tips. Remember, in this part of the exam, you have to decide whether four different writers have similar or different opinions and attitudes about a particular subject. And these are the questions. Which reviewer has a similar view to reviewer C regarding Levitin's selection of musical examples? 
It's not easy. It's a preparation for uh, <laughs> for prof prof proficiency. It is uh, quite difficult, and also because uh, the volume of the as far as seven parts in about an hour and a half it's not uh, that much time so you need to read fast and keep uh, concentration searching for clues so speaking part um, Grammar, another exercise from another from another book. We write two questions from the interviewing on page forty-four. Do you ever go swimming? When was the last time you went swimming? Ask your partner more questions about past activities. Use words and phrases in the box for your own ideas. Example, do you ever go windsurfing? Do you ever go skiing? When was the last time you went windsurfing? When was the last time you went shopping? And now we're going to read an article about uh, Jack O'Neill. What does the title mean? A or B? It's always warm on the inside. Jack O'Neill always stays inside or you are always warm in a wet street. Let's read the text. As a young man Jack O'Neill worked for a big company but he always went to the beach in his free time. He loved surfing but the Californian Ocean was cold. Jack wanted to find a way to stay warm in the water and he started to make protective clothing for cold water or wetsuits. In 1952, he stopped working for the company and opened the first surf shop. He sold surfboards and wetsuits. Jack demonstrated his wetsuits at both exhibitions. He took his three young children with him. They wore wetsuits and sat in a bath of ice. When people asked what's a wetsuit, Jack pointed to his children. <laughs> O'Neill is a family-run company. There are seven children and they all work for the company. Jack lost his eye in a surfing accident, but he still serves today. So the title, It's Always Warm on the Inside, means that you are always warm in a wetsuit. Complete the sentences about the article. Jack O'Neill always went to the beach in his free time. When? As a young man. He surfed where? He surfed in the Californian Ocean. He started to make wet, suit, wet suits. Why? because he used to go surfing in the cold water. He opened his first 
surf shop when in 1952. At both exhibitions, the children wore watsuits and sat on in a bath of ice, where he lost his eye. How in a surfing accident? Okay, 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 okay. Conversation. Writing part. Write an article. Read a magazine and answer these questions. So this is for the reading part of the examination. Brexit time. We have here an um, article from The Economist magazine. You probably, you probably already know that Europe suffered something of a political earthquake on June 23rd, 2016. Against the expectations, a majority of British voters expressed a desire to leave the European Union. The association of 27 member states to which Britain had belonged since 1973. As the first country to vote leave the EU, Britain has set a startling precedent and various departments and organizations are now running to catch up. Has set a startling precedent. Has done something that uh, hadn't been done before until this time and this uh, exiting the EU means that some other countries may want to do the same. Okay, the vote for Brexit, a popular portmanteau or word merger or British and exit is a remarkably revealing moment in British history. Remarkably revealing. I mean, it clearly states, it uh, defines what is going on in, in, in this moment in, in British history. And it's an instructive opportunity to look at modern British life, the issue of federalism and closer relations between countries, and try to unpick just why the British public voted as they did. Try to unpick just why try to find the reasons that are below the surface. This extended lesson plan is intended to help you understand what happened and to communicate the main points to your students. Useful vocabulary is highlighted in bold. Resources and links are included and comments, preferably of a non-political nature, are very welcome. Seven steps to help you understand Brexit. First, the background. The British Prime Minister David Cameron, 
first promised a referendum on Britain's membership of the EU in 2013. Although he himself and many of his closest colleagues are pro-European and would have preferred simply a renegotiated relationship with the EU, the ruling Conservative Party, of which he was leader, had been riddled with division and infighting. Had been riddled with division and infighting, meaning that his party uh, was not able to find a common ground to find a place where they would agree on this important matter of over the European question for decades. Cameron saw the offer of in-out referendum as a way to calm the Eurosceptic wing of this party and remove a painful political irritant. 2. Britain's problems with the EU Show your students a map of Europe and ask them to characterize Britain's geographical position within it. It's an island and it's uh, apart from the rest of the continent. They might note that Britain appears to be on the edge of the continent, separated from the remainder of the EU by the English Channel and North Sea. The only other EU members which are islands are Cyprus and Malta. This is significant and reflects a long-standing sense in which the British have stood within Europe but apart from it in important ways. Britain was the only combatant nation in Europe, not occupied by Nazi Germany. And even today, this and other historical strands set Britain apart from the European allies. This and other historical strands, these uh, peculiarities. And so this is um, an interesting article. Then we have here some um, visual materials for the speaking test. Speaking in these 15 minutes, what are you going to be asked to do? And uh, we have this uh, writing and corrections of uh, essays. Uh, Articles, letters, reports, reviews. So here, focus assessment, content, communicative achievement, organization, and language. A report. Lieutenant Amenegos, a descriptive motorcycle magazine article, uh, a person from your past you would like to see again and explain why, Lieutenant Amenegos, <laughs> advice to give up smoking. It's never too late to give up smoking. Uh, writing. 
Motorcycle route. Vigo, Bande, Vigo. Vigo, Avenida Camellas versus Nadia. Describe two areas of the city you live in which are very different from each other and explain why they are so different. Describe two areas of the city you live in which are very different from each other. Buildings, surroundings, shops, restaurants, services, people living, educational facilities, things to see and do. And said Vigo, Avenida Camellias and Nadia. When deciding on a place to live, it is very important to know the preferences of each person. There are huge contrasts inside a city depending on the area. These differences must be taken in consideration in order to choose the place that adapts to each person's needs and likes. If we take two big, two big areas in Vigo to live, such as uh, Camellia Senavia, with a population of around 10,000 people in each one, we can find big contrasts. On one hand, Camellias is a traditional city center with a population both including young and old people, whereas Nadia has a younger population. Another point to consider is that meanwhile Nadia has been constructed recently, Camellias has an older building age, mainly 50 years old. Vigo is a city located on a mountainside overlooking a nice bay which enters inland forming a picturesque landscape. If we walk along Camellia Avenue, we can enjoy the nice view of the sea, as well as smell the fresh air that comes up the city from the seaport, from the sea. Camellia Avenue has many restaurants, supermarkets, educational facilities, and is close to both Gran Vía and the historic Casco Bello. Navia, otherwise, is located far away from the city center, about 8 kilometers. Although it is possible to take a bus or drive by car, it is not the same as living in the city. But, on the other hand, its amazing high towers, wide streets, new parks and sports centers make Navia attractive, an attractive place to live in. Conclusion It is a difficult decision to make either living close to the center or away from it, but with a new city development to enjoy. Both options are interesting and full of opportunities. Although I enjoy living in Camellias, I wouldn't mind trying Navia for a time and seeing what it has to offer. Okay, 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 we have, uh, we need to practice more, and this was uh, uh, another one, uh, writing task. Describe your favorite childhood toy and explain why you liked it so much. Rockabilly concert at mid-century cafe in Vigo, profile of a singer, Elvis. Arts education matters. The mystery of, of risk. 
Jody O'Rourke reduced current thinking about what lies behind risk-taking. You are going to read an article about risk-taking. Question 47-56, choose from the sections 80. The sections may be chosen more than once. So this is what we are trying to uh, achieve. To renew this uh, level of English, we need to consider what we have studied in the years before and what we have to improve, which parts are necessary, taking on account that there are four parts, same as in the proficiency examination, in order to achieve those four levels of uh, linguistic uh, profile, speaking, writing, listening and reading comprehension. So, we're starting this journey today, it's gonna be nice, thank you very much.